0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening.
1: Really, really cool. So just another plug for them. Hey, I'm so excited that you're here today. Uh, We're going to continue our series in growing with God. I really love uh, that we do this uh, every January. We take time to talk about how we get to cultivate relationships with God because I grew up on a farm. Um, uh, I know that I have a a really kind of non-accent accent, Um, but you get me around people from Mississippi, it gets thick really quick. Um, but I grew up on a farm. I grew up where uh, the idea around cultivation of growing vegetables, of growing a garden w- was essential. This was life for us. Um, so uh, I get really upset when I go to the grocery store and have to pay four bucks for a, a pint or a quart of blueberries. Um, that, is bo- that, that offends me because my grandfather had a blueberry orchard. And so when I wanted blueberries walked out to the blueberries (laughs) and got blueberries. And if it wasn't in season, I walked to the freezer and got blueberries (laughs) because we had like 17 bushes that were, I mean, they were huge bushes of blueberries. But the sad part about that is, is after my grandfather passed away, uh, family kind of took land and we kind of did some things. Over time, those bushes began to die. And it was sad for me. Like it, 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 it hurts me. It offends me because that was such an integral part of my childhood was putting out a uh, black tarp uh, underneath. And my job as the youngest grandchild was to go into the middle of the bushes, smoke out the snakes, and shake the bushes so that all of the ripe blueberries would come down. Like, that was my job. And so now, whenever I go back, there's no blueberry bushes there. It hurts me. It's sad. The reason that happened was because for so long, they weren't cared for. People got busy. Things happened. Life And so over time, those bushes, they died. They got diseases. They, uh, cold snaps, got them, if you know about things like that in Mississippi. Um, There are are all kinds of reasons why over time, all of a sudden, those bushes died. So what could have been a long-lasting eternal investment, eternal eternal investment, um, died because people stopped caring. People stopped worrying about it because people got busy. And so we lost it. The same is true for our lives with God. Our relationships with Christ are like a garden. That's why Jesus uses that metaphor again and again in the New Testament because it's so important for us to know that's not something that just happens, okay? If we let things just happen, if you, if you go out into a field and say, let just whatever grows, grows, what's gonna grow? Weeds, thorns, bramble, junk, junk. I'll get the word eventually, okay? That's what grows without cultivation. But when you cultivate it, when you're, in, when you're intentional, You can grow harvests, you can grow food, you can grow things that are beneficial, okay? So that's what we want to talk about today. Last week, Brandon did an excellent job of taking us through the book of Daniel and talking about prayer and fasting, which as he talked about prayer, is just communicating with God. Um, A great way that I've heard this phrase from uh, one of my favorite books by David Mathis, it's called Habits of Grace, he talks about how prayer is having God's ear, And I love that phrase, I love that imagery of having the ear of God, because that means he's listening. that's huge. God listens to us. So today we're going to talk about the other side of that, which is hearing God's voice, and that's going to be talking about his word, the importance of the word of God. And what better way for us to do that than to look at the word? (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bruder thought it was funny, apparently. That was just an inside joke. Uh, but if you would, <laughs> um, I do want you to know um, that we're going to talk about God's Word today, and we're going to be talking about it through His Word. But uh, I have a quick little caveat. My goal today is to show you um, the importance and the beauty of God's Word. And I know that some of you, as soon as I said we're talking about the Bible, immediately started to feel guilty. You immediately started to feel a little anxious because you're like, maybe, maybe I... Uh, maybe I don't want to listen to this one because my relationship with God's word isn't that great, like it's always a, an on-again, off-again kind of thing. Um, can I just tell you that my goal today is not for you to feel guilty. My goal today is not for you to feel anxious or to, to call you out because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. My goal today is for you to fall more in love with God through his word. That's what I want us to do. So, we're going to focus on both the theological importance, what the Bible says about why the Bible what is important, but also some practical ways that you can have a better relationship with God through His Word. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. So, if you started to feel anxious, go ahead and put that aside. That's okay. We're not going to deal with that right now. We can talk later. Right now, we're going to talk about how God's Word is good. For us and be excited. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. Um, if this is your first time in church or if you're new to church, um, if you don't have a Bible, that is okay. There's an app for that. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to download it real fast. Uh, it's version, Y-O-U version. It's a great Bible app because it has lots of different translations. You can find one that works for you. Uh, but we're going to be in Psalms. Psalms is the middle of the book, middle of the Bible. Um, and we're going to be in Psalm chapter 19. Just a quick little context about the Psalms. The Psalms are a book, excuse me, <coughs> next time, cough away from the microphone, sorry. Um, the Psalms are uh, a book of poems, a book of poetry uh, that were written, but they're also a book of prayers that were written uh, by different people. And so we're going to be talking about, um, about God's word through this meditation. I-, I read the first few verses of it, um, and I think that's important for us to kind of have some context, but we're going to pick up in just a minute in verse seven. But before we do that, I want to circle back to this idea of hearing God's voice. It's important because what's the point of spending time in God's word? It's not about knowing more about the Bible. It's about knowing God. The importance of spending time in God's word is because this is how he speaks to us. And the only way for us to deepen our relationship with him is to allow him to communicate with us. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but think about this in your own personal relationships. If the only relationship you have with someone is them just talking to you, but you never get to talk to them, is that much of a relationship? No. If anything, it annoys you, okay? Everybody has that friend, right? Where they just call you whenever they just want to talk. They talk to you for 30 minutes and like, oh, I got to go, and then they hang up, okay? You got that friend or maybe that family member? If not, maybe it's you. Um, but uh, we all have that friend and you are probably their best friend But they're probably not yours (laughs) So Why would we do that to god? If all we do is pray That's just us talking to him if we never spend time in his word He never gets to speak back That's why it's important for us to do this today So we're going to pick up in verse 7 of Psalm 119, because it's this beautiful meditation on God and on his word and how he speaks to us. The first six verses I read at the beginning of our our service today, and they're talking about how God shows us himself in in creation. But in verse 7, King David, who's the author of this psalm, moves to talking about the word. So let's read it, beginning in verse 7. It says, "...the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul." In keeping them, there is great reward. We'll stop right there. <coughs> Much better. Um, this is such a beautiful set of verses, right? These are beautiful because they show us very clearly about God's Word. It's this meditation on what God's Word is and, and how it works and what it does. And so I want to answer a couple of questions for you today, um, starting with what is the Word? So if you're taking notes today, and I encourage you to do that, uh, write this down. What is the word? Um, If you don't have a notebook, you can always use the response card. There's a note section there, and so that's a a great place to do that. But our first question we want to answer today is, what is the word? And King David, as he's talking about this, as he's talking about the Bible, does a great job of, of walking this through. Now, quick caveat. David, when he wrote this psalm, was not talking about the whole Bible as we have it today, because it wasn't written yet right? So all David's really talking about at this moment is kind of some parts of the Old Testament. The Torah, you know, maybe Job. The Torah is like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? Joshua, Judges, you know, kind of that section. Um, Maybe Ruth, maybe. Technically, Ruth was like his great-grandma, so maybe. You know, he knew that story. (laughs) didn't have to read that one in the Bible. Um, But he's writing the Psalms, So all of the Proverbs, all of the other prophets in the Old Testament, all of the New Testament hasn't been written yet. So David's just talking about that little section. So keep that in mind, because how much more so is this true for us now that we have a a fuller picture of how God reveals himself to us? So we're going to talk about what David saw in God's word. The first one is, he says that God's word is perfect. So you're, you're right there now. God's word is perfect. That's a really important word, because "perfect" in biblical language means complete. So what this tells us is that in God's word, God has given us a complete picture of Himself. This is a theme picked up by the Apostle Peter in his uh, second uh, in his second letter to the church, Second Peter. He says that the Bible, in the Bible, God gives us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. That's huge. Everything that we need is found right here for all of life and godliness. Now, does that mean that the Bible contains all of the knowledge of all of the world? No. Okay, we have Wikipedia for that, right? Um, but uh, no, it it doesn't necessarily have all of the knowledge. Like, I'm not going to pull this out as an engineering textbook. All right, but what I am going to pull this out for is that it contains all that I need for life. And godliness. It is complete and it helps me understand completely who God is and what He's done. That that's its purpose. That's what it does. It is perfect in that. The second thing that we see is God's word is sure. It's sure. I love that word sure because we kind of use it differently today in in colloquialisms. We we use it differently and we we talk. So like my wife will say, Hey, do you want to go do this? Sure. Why not? Right? Okay, for those of you that are keeping track in interpersonal communication, that's like a, I don't really care, but I mean, if you want to, sure. Okay, so that's not what this means. Um, what this means when it says God's word is sure, it means it is certain. Okay, God's word is reliable. It is certain. It means that it is always trustworthy. It is firm. It is sure. Okay, it's like the song. Uh, one of my favorite worship songs is "Firm Foundation." It's a great song. Uh, probably because I just like to belt to it, but it's a great song, but we could change that word firm to sure. It wouldn't have the same, you know, flow. God is a sure foundation. It would have the same thing, but it is the same idea. It is sure. It is firm. It is reliable. The thing that, that David shows us is that God's word is right. Woo! God's word is right. Now, that doesn't mean God's word is like right hand, right But God's word is right, meaning that it is right morally. It's going to tell us what is right, what is good to do. Um, It's right practically. It's going to give us good ideas of how to live and what to do. And it is right universally. Uh, Another way to think of this, if you're kind of a carpenter, or construction worker, think of the Bible as the plumb line of our lives. You know what a plumb line is? That's where you would put a weight on the bottom of a piece of string and let it go. And so that's how you see how things are straight. That's before they invented those really cool, like, laser things to see, level things. You know, kids these days, they don't know how things used to be done. But um, the Bible is the plumb line of our life. By it, it is the measure for how we know if we are walking with Christ. It is the measure for what is right and what is good. There's nothing else that can connect us to that. The next thing that, that David says is that the Word of God is pure. pure. Mm, it's pure. Um, that word pure um, is, means uh, because God is pure. We just sang a song, God is holy. God is pure, God is holy. Um, so also is his word. His word is holy. We don't have to worry about the Bible leading us to sin. If we do what the Bible says, it's not going to lead us to sin. Um, sin, just church word that or biblical word, that means missing the mark. It means disobedience. It's not doing what God's called us to do. If we read the Bible, it's not going to lead us to that, okay? Reading the Bible leads us to right relationship with God, not sin. It's pure, and it leads us to purity. So when, <coughs> when we read it, it, it doesn't lead us to a, disru- a disrupted relationship with God. The next thing that he says is that the God's word is clean. It's clean, So, uh, the word in the sense of being clean means it never fades. It is always clear. It never diminishes. It both is clean and cleans us. It's through the Bible that God makes us clean because it points us to Himself. When you think about it that way, it's this idea that when we read God's Word, there are times where it's going to point out things in our life that aren't clean, which is why in other verses, Paul, uh, David says in Psalm 51 to cleanse me with hyssop, okay? Hyssop was like this this um, reed that would excrete, like basically a, a cleaning agent. So be thankful you get to go to the store and buy soap instead of chopping a reed and squeezing it out, right? It's good. Um, but the Bible is like that, right? It cleanses us. It brings soap to our lives to show us the places that need to be clean. So it is clean. It helps us to clean. And he finishes this up, By saying that God's word is true. It's true and righteous all together. So that's kind of his summary of this little meditation. There is nothing false. There's nothing unrighteous about God's word. It is good. It's true. It's righteous. But he continues the thought just a little bit by talking to us about how we should desire it. And so I want to phrase this, that God's word is precious. It's precious when we talk about things that are precious, we talk about things that have great value. And so David brings up two images to help us to see that. The first one is material wealth. He says, "Um, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. And that's important for us to know contextually because David was a king. Okay? If anybody knows about gold, it's the leader of a country. it's important for us to know that because that's, this is what David dealt with. I mean, he, he, he saw gold. He saw really fine things. He knew what this looked like. But he's saying, above all of that stuff that I get as king, this is much more to be desired. Why is it that way? Because money doesn't buy us a relationship with God. Money doesn't save us. Money doesn't last longer than our lives. But God's word and a relationship with God, well, that lasts through eternity. And that's much more desirable. That's much more uh, good for us. And it's something that we should long for. And then he says, it's sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Okay. How many of you like honey? Okay. It's good, right? Okay. One of the things that um, uh, we do at our house is uh, we have what we call uh, Mexican Mondays, where we do different types of Mexican foods, because I think Taco Tuesdays is just too limiting. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We need more. So we have fajitas, we have enchiladas, we have chimichangas, we do different things. Um, but one of the things that we typically only do when we have guests over at our house on Mondays is Britta looks at me and she'll say, are you going to make sopapillas? Okay. You ever had a sopapilla? Okay. It's basically just a deep fried tortilla, <laughs> which, I mean, where are we going wrong, right? Um, so <laughs> a deep fried tortilla. But you, you toss it in cinnamon and sugar, but the, what makes it good is you drizzle honey on it, okay? Because cinnamon and sugar, sure. I mean, yeah, great. That's that's great. But honey, whoo! Okay? That's where we do it. Now, some people get a little fancy. They're like chocolate syrup and whipped cream. We don't need all that. All you need is honey and cinnamon and sugar, right? What makes it so good is because the honey's on it, Okay? In, in the Old Testament, in times before you could go to the store and buy 15 types of sugar, um, honey was the way that you sweetened things, okay? And so it was meant to bring a sweetness to life. That's what he's saying. God's word brings a sweetness to your life. It provides us with a sweetness and a joy that only comes by experiencing God through his word. That's it. So when we talk about what God's word is... David lays out a lot of different things for us about what God's word is, okay? It, it's what, who God is and how he reveals himself through his word, but there are a couple of things that we just need to make sure that we know and we make sure that we get right. The Bible is God's word. It's his voice, Yes, other people may have written it, and when you read it, that's good, but you need to read it through the lens that these are words coming from God. They are words God wrote through a variety of people to reveal himself to his world. And he wrote these words for a specific people. They were written to a people, but they were also written for you. And that's important Because we want to understand context. We've talked about that, and we'll talk about that again. We want to understand context, but we need to know that though it was written for a specific people, he also wrote it to you. Because it's this is how we come to know him. This is how we grow with God through his word. If you think of that garden metaphor again, think of it this way God's word is the seeds that produce fruit in your life. That's what it is, it's the seeds because it's by his word that he actually changes our thoughts and changes the way that we live our lives. So we've talked about what God's word is. And you may be saying, Wes, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Really love Hebrew poetry. It's really great. Um, but why? Why do I need to read the Bible? So if you're, you're taking notes, write that down. Why? Why read the Bible? Why should I read it? Okay. Well, one like i just told you we read the bible because it's god's word to us it's his voice if you've ever just sat down in your room and prayed dear lord i just wish that you would just open the heavens and speak audibly to me read it aloud okay it's his voice to you it's his word to you that's what it is that's what it does that's who that's that's why we read it because it's his word to you but Besides me being snarky, um, David tells us why in this psalm, because we only talked about half those verses. We need to talk about the other half. What does the word of the Lord do? Why should we read it? Well, the first one, all the way back in verse 7, it's perfect, and it revives the soul. Ooh, that's good. It revives the soul. I love that language, because revive means to give life again. That's what it means, revive, to bring new life. It restores, it heals. It revives something that is more than just your body and more than just your mind. It's your very soul. When we talk about how uh, the world gets us down, when we talk about how troubles and trials really overcome us, we talk about how you get off the phone or you t- it off of that email at work, you, you spend time with that family member and you're just overwhelmed and you just feel down and downtrodden. The word of God revives the soul. It brings life. Um, he continues, he says, uh, it's sure and it makes wise the simple. This is a really important thing because the word of God makes everyone wise who reads it. So it doesn't matter if you went to college or if you graduated high school. It doesn't matter what you know in ways of the world. It doesn't matter what your degrees are. It doesn't matter what your salary is. All those things don't matter. Because the word of God makes you wise. There are people <coughs> in the town that I grew up that would not be called smart by any stretch of the imagination. Okay? And that's not a dig on Mississippi. That's just the fact that I grew up in a place called Olo. We don't have a zip code. Okay, like it, that's, that's, that's where we're talking. And, but there are people there that the world would consider not smart. Very dumb. Um, they didn't make a lot of money. They didn't make much of their lives, but they are probably some of the wisest people you've ever met because their very lives are soaked with God's word. You know, you sit down to dinner with them, and they pray, and it's not like this stilted prayer. It's like Jesus is at the chair with you, okay? And they're praying, and then they start talking to you, and you start talking about your problems and your things, and every other word out of their mouth is a verse. Everything that they say is just soaked in Scripture, And you leave, and you think about what they said, and you're like, man, that was really good. They chewed me out. (laughs) Like, I'm hurting. I'm stinging a little bit. But, like, all they did was just recite God's word to you. That's what we're talking about. It makes wise the simple. It brings wisdom. Um, Not only does it bring wisdom, it rejoices the heart. Oh, that's so good. It brings joy. Because the source of joy is not an external circumstance. The source of joy is relationship with God. He is the source of that. And so it brings joy because through God's word we come to know him. <coughs> it talks about how um, it's the commandments of the Lord is pure and enlightens the eyes. That was a really important thing in the Old Testament, that idea of enlightening. Because they did not have electricity. I mean, that's just real. We, I think that we think that light is just like an expectation. Like you walk into a room, you flip a switch, the light should come on. When we moved into our house, I was really confused because they have some rooms that you don't do that. You turn on the switch and it doesn't turn on the light, it turns on the socket. And so I just looked and I said, okay, number one, this is a kid's room. So they're going to flip this and they're going to want that to turn on. So we need to figure something else out. So we invested in really long strings that they could reach to pull. But it's really important, though, because also whenever we leave the house, I look down the hall and there's lights everywhere. Like, because they flip the switch and that's not how you turn the lights off. So I got to go back and think. Light is important. Okay. But when you live in a world that's dark, there is no source of light. When we live in a world that is filled with darkness, there is no source of light. So what does God's word do? It enlightens the eyes. It gives light by which you can see. Because if everybody's groping around in the dark, okay, if everybody's groping around in the dark, people are going to get hurt. But when we have light by which to see, you can find your way. Not only does it bring confidence in that, not only does it bring light to see by, it brings comfort. It's a comfort to be able to have light. I noticed this the other night. I, was, um, I had walked into a dark room uh, because it's nighttime, kids are sleeping, we don't mess with things, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I needed to go get something out of the room. But going into the room, like I didn't know what I was doing, right? I'm like, you, have you ever done that thing where you close your eyes and just try to feel with your feet? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, your feet just barely lift up, and you're, like, doing this number, and you're, like, you got your hands down here so you don't trip into anything, just me, all right? You know what I'm talking about? So doing that thing, lights behind me, uh, and I'm, I'm, I make a better door than a window, so there's not a light coming through me, you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I finally find what I'm looking for. I think it was a clothes basket. And I turn around, and all of a sudden, I'm facing the light, and I could see my way out perfectly. Boom. Can make it Wow didn't have to sit here and feel around. I could make it because my eyes were enlightened by the light that I could see. That's what God's word does to us. He also continues, and he says that it endures forever. It never fails. It never ends. There are going to be lots of things that we think are eternal that will go away. There are relationships in our life that we think will last forever, and they won't. There are material possessions that we think, I will always have this, and you won't. We live in a world where things fall apart. God's word is not one of them. It will always endure. And then, after we get through where he talks about it being precious, we get to verse 11. And he says this thing that I think is really interesting. Moreover, by them, by the word, is your servant warned in keeping them, is great reward. What are we warned about? Well, the Bible is full of examples of what it looks like to live a life without God. That's what it is. It's full of examples of, of fallen people that are still used by God. God uses them and God does amazing things. But they are not people that are without sin. <laughs> You know, this is why when we read the Old Testament, we could never turn that into a real TV miniseries because it would be rated mature. There are things in the Old Testament that are just, they boggle the eyes a little bit. You know, go read the book of Judges. Now, it's really cool when you're a teenage boy and you're like, that's awesome. That's really cool that he did that. But not something that we could turn into a TV show and show kids on Sunday mornings. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that's going to happen. But what it shows us is that this is what life looks like when you are without me and that starts in the third chapter, okay? This is what life looks like, but we need to remember that it also includes the New Testament, which it shows us who Jesus is, and it shows us what life could look like if we were living in God's kingdom with Christ, and it shows us, yeah, what it looks like when you don't do that either, (laughs) but more importantly, it gives us a, a fuller picture And it warns us of what rejection of God looks like, what rejection of Jesus ends in. It warns us of the dangers of sin. It warns us of what life is like. But we need it. We need the warnings. Because that's the boundary lines that help us know where to go. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that way. I need to go here. That's what it means by it gives us warning. And he finishes that, that up by saying, moreover, by it is your servant uh moreover by it and keeping them there is great reward there is reward by living according to god's word because you see the important thing for us to know is god's word is how we expose ourselves to the light of his spirit we listen to his voice and we learn to grow so not only is god's word the seeds that produce fruit it's the water by which it grows it's the sunlight by which it builds If you think you're going to get that from some Instagram post or TikTok video by a Christian influencer, it's not going to happen. It's not going to do that. Somebody else's words or thoughts or deconstructions can't actually change your life. Your counselor, your therapist, even your pastor cannot do that. The only thing that has the power to speak God's voice to your soul in such a way that it brings about change is his word. So stop seeking his voice where it's not found. Seek it where the only place it can be, in his word. It's important for us to know that because right now we live in a world that is flooded and inundated with lots of people who say, this is what God's word says. And if you aren't actually listening to that and checking it with his word, well, the Bible calls that lots of things. (coughs) But boiling it down, when we do that, the Bible says it's like being tossed to and fro on waves by every wind of doctrine. We can't do that. We can't live that way, okay? I've never been sailing. It's one of the things, it's on my bucket list. I want to go on a sailboat. Be cool, right? Okay. Maybe because I, I read too many. <laughs> I see you. Uh, maybe I read too many like pirate adventure books as a kid. But like the ideas of like hanging off the rigging by a, a rope like appeals to me in some way. Um, but, but, I'm not going sailing without somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> you Know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not going sailing in the middle of a hurricane. Okay, it'll be a peaceful, nice day on a lake. But what I'm saying is, if we are, are trying to measure our lives by the words of other people and social media and podcasts and all these other things without actually checking it against God's word. It's like taking our sailboat out into the middle of Hurricane Katrina and saying, what's the worst that could happen? It'll wreck your life. Okay, enough of that. Um, the last question I want us to deal with, though, is how. We've talked about what God's word is. What God's word is really important. We've talked about why we should read it. Why we should read it is also really, really important. But now we want to talk about how. How should we read the word? How can I see God's voice in it? Well, <coughs> that's a really good question, and I'm really glad you asked it because we're in the right place to talk about it, okay? I want to share with you a variety of resources that, uh, that are, I think could be really helpful for us as we kind of figure this out. The first thing that I want you to do, and I want to free you of this, is that nowhere in all of Scripture... Does it say to be a good follower of Jesus, you have to read through the whole thing in a year? I'm going to say that again. I'm going to speak to your soul a little bit. Nowhere in all of scripture does it say to be a good follower of Jesus, you have to read through the entire Bible in a year. Now, is it good to do that? Absolutely. 100,000%. That's not real, but it's a good number. But is it required? No. Can you do it? Yes, you can. But if the thought of that makes you feel guilty, well, maybe let's not start there, okay? Let's, let's dial it down a little bit. Because the only thing that I would say to you about that is that what's more important than trying to check off through a U-version Bible reading plan that's gonna get me through the Bible chronologically in 12 months or 365 days, what's more important than that is that you spend time with Jesus and his word. It's more important that we spend time with him, knowing him, and coming to know him, than it does checking off a box. Because that, that means is that we don't just look at the verse of the day and go, mm, that's good, and walk away. We don't do that. What would happen if my wife sent me a text message that was really important, and I just went, mm, that's good, and put it in my phone? Okay? One of two things are going to happen. Number one, either I'm going to get a phone call in a couple of minutes, or more realistically, I'm going to get about 15 more text messages that include a lot of question marks. You know what I'm saying? Okay? We don't get to just say, hmm, that's good, and put it away. If we all of a sudden got an emergency broadcast and our phones started blaring and the TVs got controlled and all kinds of things, we wouldn't just look at that and go, hmm, that's good. No, you wouldn't do that (laughs) because you're going to look at it. It's disrupted what your life is like. It's disrupted your day. It came in and said, hey, pay attention. That's what spending time in God's word is like. Spending time in God's word is not just another thing for you to go, "Mm, that's good. It looks like taking his word, inviting it to speak into your life, and then saying, oh, man, what do I need to do because of that? Because I got to do what it says now. So let's go over some practical ways of how we can read God's Word. They're really, really easy. I think we can do them. Number one, probably the hardest one, pick a time. Pick a time. Okay, This is really, really practical. Pick a time. Set an alarm on your phone. Set an alarm on your clock. Pick a time of day that works for you that you can focus on it. Now, notice I said pick a time of day that works for you where you can focus. All right? Parents of small children. That is before they get up or after they go to bed. Do you know what I'm saying? All right? Because you may have really great intentions of sitting down with your cup of coffee and your Bible, and it's like 6.30, and then they're up, and we're just, they're just going to watch Bluey, and I'm going to sit here and read. No, that's not what's going to happen. Because you're going to sit down, and they're going to notice that you're not next to them, and then they're going to come next to you. What you doing, Mommy? Can you come watch Bluey with me? And in your sleep-addled brain, because the coffee hasn't quite hit it yet, you're just going to say, I'll get to this in a minute. And you're going to go watch four episodes of Bluey, fall back asleep, and the day is done. Do you know what I'm saying? All right? Now, you may also be saying, you know what? I'll just do it during my break on my job. I'm sure I'm going to have time this morning, and it's going to be fine. I guarantee you, that day, you will have five emergency phone calls, 16 emails that come in that need an immediate response, and your boss is going to show up at your door and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Okay, if you (coughs) if you um, are saying i'm just gonna let it happen That's called being passive and we can't be passive about setting a time to spend time in god's word Just like you schedule time with people you love Schedule time with god in his word You have to schedule time with him and it's got to be every day Okay The second one also pretty difficult Pick a place Okay, pretty cool Because you want to pick a place where you're not going to be distracted. Now, that could be anywhere, because we all have different thresholds of distraction. Some of us have such selective hearing that we can be in the middle of the busy intersection by by 1 and 95 and stand in the middle of the road and not know where we are, which is great for you. I'm glad and proud for you that you can do that. I'm not one of those people, (laughs) because I am easily distracted by noise easily distracted. So you need to find a way where you can move and be in a place where you're not going to be distracted. Why? And this is really important. Why am I saying this? Be in a place, pick a time where you're not going to be distracted. Because if you sat down to have a conversation with a person that you love and it was really important to you, and the entire time you were trying to spend time with them, you were responding to text messages, answering emails, talking to other people, watching a TV show, are you communicating that you actually love that person? Are you communicating that they're important? Thank you, Jesse. No. No, you're not. Because I don't know about you, but when I sit down to coffee with somebody, and the first thing they do is pick out their phone and start scrolling, I just paid for a really expensive cup of coffee. I can go do this in my car. Okay? I'm here to spend time. So we got to do that with God. If he's the most important relationship in our life, it's going to require a little bit of focus and a little bit of planning. That means going into do not disturb mode on our phones so it's not taken away because he deserves our undivided attention when he speaks. So number three, you got to read it, okay? Because you can pick a time, you can pick a place. You can have your, your Bible out, you can have your journal out, you can have your cup of coffee. It is Instagram worthy, all right? But if you never actually read it, it ain't gonna do nothing for you. It's just like me going out to my garden with a pail full of water and setting it down right beside it and say, all right, y'all get busy. They, what are those seedlings going to do? They're going to die. I have to actually water them for them to grow. So you have to read the word. So here's some things that, I, there, there are a variety of ways to do that. There's a lot of plans. There's a lot of ideas. There are a variety of translations. So here's just some general guidance that I would give you. For translations, find one that you understand, okay? Get one that you understand, there are lots of good ones. We use the ESV most days. The, the CSB is good. The NET is good. If you were raised on the NIV or the KJV, whatever works for you. But pick one that you can understand, all right? If it uses words that you can't understand, don't use that one, <laughs> okay? I love the King James. I, like I said, Olo, Mississippi, no zip code, okay? We read the King James, all right? And it was a big deal when we moved to NIV, big deal, all right? So I get it. I understand There's a love there. I will always say John 3.16 in the King James Version. Okay, it's like engraved on my heart in that way. I get it. But find a translation of God's word that you understand. If you need help with that, ask me. Ask Pastor Brandon. Ask your community group leader. We're going to be happy to point you in a direction that works for you. But pick one you can understand because you want to read it. Okay? And I think that's one of the reasons why some people resist the idea of reading God's word because they're just like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, that might be because of the translation you picked. Pick a different one. <coughs> but when it comes to reading, um, this is how I teach people to read it. It's really simple. It's a really simple way to read God's Word. Pick it up and pick a book and read it. Okay? Because the Bible has, I think, 64, 64, 66. I always do that wrong. Math's not my strong suit. All right, there's 66 books in it. Pick one and read it. Now, some general guidance here. Um, uh, Don't just do the verse of the day and move on, okay? You want to read the whole book because we want to get the whole message, right? We want to get the whole idea of what this book says. But if you're starting off today, can I just recommend something to you? Don't start with the Old Testament, okay? Every single Bible reading plan out there where you're like, I'm going to read my Bible, you start in Genesis, which is fun. Creation, fall of man, Noah's Ark, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, really great. Then we get to Exodus, action-packed. We've got the plagues. We've got the the people in Egypt. We've got, they go out into the wilderness. There's the golden calf bet, which is super fun. There's all kinds of things that happen. God's doing amazing things. Then you get to Numbers. Okay? Which is a really good book. There's really good stuff in there. But for about 15 chapters, you're reading so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. Which is really, really good information. But, if you're starting out, that may not be what's best for you. Let me encourage you, instead, to, rather than starting with the Old Testament, let's start with the New. <laughs> Read a Gospel. Read Mark. Read John. Because they tell you the story of Jesus. And if you're starting out with a relationship with Jesus through reading God's word, spend some time getting to know who Jesus was through his gospels. Um, And then, (coughs) then, after you're done, read the book of Acts. Read the story of his church. Then maybe read some of Paul's letters or John's letters or Peter's letters that were written to the church that give instruction for daily life, that help you to know how to live. And then, after you get a good basis and you got some momentum, Sure, throw in an Old Testament book, okay? But read it in the light of the New Testament. Because all of that good, amazing stuff in the Old Testament is pointing you to Jesus. The whole Old Testament it points us to Jesus. The whole New Testament points us back to him. So we need to know him. So start there. You're new. Start there. Because as you're reading it, you want to understand it and you want it to bring life to you. But the other thing that you want to do is you want to actually read it, not like you read the newspaper. Anybody reads the newspaper still? Does anybody still get a newspaper? See, I knew that was going to happen. Okay, better question. Anybody read the news app on their phone? Mark, I'm glad we're the only old people in the room. I appreciate you. All right. Okay. I hate listening to news. Okay, it's one of the most annoying things on the planet to me. Number one, because I don't want to be that angry. Okay. I just, I just, mm, I get angry all by myself. I don't need the news to help me. All right? I don't want to be that angry. And number two, because I don't know what they're saying. Because nine times out of 10, they've got four people up there and they're rah, rah, rah. What are you saying? I don't have time for that. So I read news headlines and articles. So here's what happens. I pull up Apple News on my phone. I scroll, I'm like scroll. I look for the ones that don't have the little Apple plus sign, because I can read those. I can't read the ones with the plus sign because I ain't paying for it. And I just scroll and I find one I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'll click it, I'll read a paragraph and a half of it or so, skim through it, close it up, I turn to Britter. Britter, did you know? And I start talking like I know all the things that I just read, and I'm an expert in this particular field. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Is it just me? I'm fine. I'll be over here by myself. I'm comfortable. But I'm just saying, we don't read God's word that way, okay? You don't pull it out, read the first couple of verses of John 1, turn to the person sitting next to you. Did you know that Jesus was the light of the world? Okay? Now you can, and that's really cool. But maybe let's spend a little more time with it, okay? Let it rest in us. Spend some time getting to know the word instead of acting like we know all about it by reading a verse or two. Because we need to know what it says, because by knowing it, we actually get to know him. So we can do that a variety of ways. (coughs) There are lots of really great tools out there. The one that I like is the seven arrows. So I'm going to put up here. It's seven questions to ask. Now, if seven's a little overwhelming to you, that's okay. Maybe just pick one. Pick one today, and tomorrow I'll pick another one, and the next day I'll pick another one. That's okay. Okay. But I have these seven questions because they help us actually get to what the word is saying. So we're going to talk about them. The first one, what does this passage say? Notice it doesn't say, what does this passage say to you? Don't matter what it says to you. Okay? what matters what it says. What does it say? Okay, what do the words actually say? It's really funny because I'm an English teacher at heart, right? That's where I grew up. That's my life. That was my first career. So I'm sitting here and I'm talking to a classroom of students. What does this say? Well, I think it says that so-and-so was about to do so-and-so. And I'm like, where, where does it say that? Okay? They're just, you're just making stuff up. It doesn't matter what it says to you. It matters what it says. What do the words actually say? If you don't know what they say, get a dictionary so that you can know what the words say. It's important. Because if this is God's voice to you, if this is his very word to you, and you don't know what it says then you don't know what he's saying to you. So you gotta start there. Second thing, this one's a little bit harder. What does this passage mean, not to you, (laughs) to its original audience? Because, like I said, the Bible was written for a specific people in a specific time that lived with specific circumstances. And that's important to know. We call that context. Brandon likes to say there are three important things about reading God's word. The first one's context. The second one's really, really important. It's context. And the third one's also really important. It's context. Okay, that's what this question is about. Now, I don't know about you. You may be a biblical times scholar. And if you are, please let me know. I have lots of questions, all right? But there are lots of resources available for you to help with that. If you want to know what they are, come talk to me. I'm happy to share with you the ones that I use because they help us understand the context. The third one, getting back to this, what does this passage tell you about God? What do we learn about God? Because this is his word. He's revealing himself to you. What do you know about God? The fourth one, what does this tell us about other people? Because it's written to you, but it also tells us about other people. Okay? Most of the time it tells us that other people are bad news. <laughs> but it tells us about other people. How does it tell us, uh, what does it demand of me? What am, I, what am I called to obey because of this passage? What it, how does it change the way I relate to people? There's a really easy answer to that one. It's called love them. But how does it tell us how to relate to them? And then finally, how does this passage prompt me to pray? And that's a really good question to ask. And I'm going to say, if you only have time for one question, ask that one. Because just like in a conversation, you listen to what they have to say before you respond. We should let God speak to us so that we know how we should respond. How does this passage prompt me to pray? Was it, it asking me? How does this lead me closer to a relationship with God? What do I need to bring to him? So this is a, a really great tool. There are lots of others. There are some that are shorter. There are some that are longer, some that are more in-depth. But if you're just getting started, this is a great way to do it because we don't want to read the Bible like it's a news article. We want to read the Bible in such a way that it draws us deeper into relationship with Christ. So we got to think about it. we got to study it we got to dwell on it. All right, so how do you read the Bible? You pick a time, you pick a place, you got to read it. And step four is probably the hardest one of them all. you got to do what it says. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, you just do what it says. Now, that sounds really easy. Until you get to the verses about things like love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you. And then the Lord brings that up when you're face-to-face with that person who's just got you all up in your fields. And the one thing that you want to do is take your earrings off and slack them across the face. Okay? Okay. I don't wear earrings, but I know what that feels like. You, let, me, let me get started here. All right. But then you have God's word, and it says, Love your enemies. <clears throat> Pray for those who hurt you. <clears throat> I don't want to. And then he stands there, and he looks at you and he says, But you're going to. And you say, yes, sir. And you pray. So you have to do what it says, all right? Because that's the thing. If it's God's word, if it's his very voice to us, then we do what it says. We don't act like children. Because if you were a parent, of a child of any age, you know what it looks like to look at them and say, hey, buddy, or hey, sweet pea, can you go do X? No. All right? We don't do that. Because does that actually produce love and relationship with you? No, what does that produce? Discipline. That produces consequences. So we do what it says because we want to draw closer to the Lord. We look at it, we read it in context, but it does demand something of us. It could be prayer. It could be repentance. It could be worship. It could be obedience. Whatever it demands, we need to do it. That's another reason why I say start with the New Testament, because there are some demands in the Old Testament that no longer apply. All right? Because if you call me and start talking to me about goats and lambs and doves, I'm going to give you Brandon's phone number <laughs> and say, go talk to him, and then come back to me. Okay? That was a joke. But we want to do what it says, because Jesus gives us things to do. So we've talked about what God's word is. We've talked about why we should read it. We've talked about how we should read it. But can I, can I just talk to you for a second? God's word is exactly that. It's his word. It's his voice. And it echoes down through the ages to us. And it's relevant today because it speaks to life as it is now. There is not a day that goes by that I don't read God's word, that I don't find something that applies to me today, okay? And I could have read it yesterday, and I read the same verse today, and there's something new that speaks to me today. And it's necessary for growing with God. It's necessary you have to have it. Without it, you're not going to get very far. Last week, we talked about Daniel and his friends and all of the things that they did. And Pastor Brandon said something that's really important. We don't compare ourselves to somebody else's day 100 when we're on day one. We don't do that, okay? That's not helpful. If anything, that's more shame-inducing. That's more frustrating. So can I, can I just encourage you, don't be discouraged by your not knowing of the Bible, Okay. Don't let not knowing the Bible stop you from getting to know the Bible, okay? Because the only way to get to know the Bible is to read it, okay? You can listen to all of these podcasts. You can listen to sermons. You can watch Instagram Reels and TikTok videos. You can do all of those things, and that's great, fantastic. But, but, if you actually want to get to know God's Word, you have to spend time in His Word. If you want to grow with God, you have to do it in his word. You can pray, you can worship, you can go to church, you can serve, you can do lots of things, but if you do it apart from regular time in his word, you're going to miss the growth. So, we're going to head into our response time, um, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, but I want to ask you a question, and I've got a visual for you. (coughs) Where do you land on your relationship with God? What's your relationship with God like? So you can take a minute and just think about it. Because is it like a desert? It's pretty parched, it's pretty dry, pretty arid. Does it need some water? Is it like a, a meadow? It's comfortable, it's easy, it's pretty even, but maybe there's not a lot of depth. Or is it like a forest where there's deep roots and a lot of life? It's full. I don't know where, where you are today on this little spectrum, but can I just encourage you and exhort you that no matter where you are, you can still be closer. You can still be closer to the Lord through his word. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying go and sign up for a, another year-long Bible reading plan. I know I've kind of dogged on them today. So I actually like them. I, I'm doing one. Like, good. But the thing is, as I don't want you to go berate yourself for not already being in his word, Okay. Don't do that. Instead, can you commit today to a new motivation? Because the whole reason we read God's word is to spend time with him, to get to know him, to grow and to love him. Because you see, motives matter. Motives always matter. And I want to reflect, I want to invite you to reflect on your motives. Because if your motive in reading God's word is just to know more about God, so you can use that in a conversation or an argument, it's not a good motive. It's not going to last. It's not helpful. If your, if your motive is in reading God's Word is just to please somebody else because they ask you to read this and you just want to do it so they'll get off your back, not a good motive. It's not going to last. It's not going to bring about change. If your motive to read God's Word is anything other than wanting to know Him, wanting to draw closer to Him, to grow in relationship with Him, it's not going to last. But if you come to the Word with the motive and desire to see God, to draw near to Him, to fall more and more in love with Him, that one lasts. Because that's a motive that will keep you coming back again and again and again. Because you see that it's not just about the words. You actually see that it is really more precious than gold and silver. It really is more precious and sweeter than honey. Because in the very words, you hear the voice of God and he speaks, and he changes you. I'm going to finish our, our time today by finishing off this psalm. The end of Psalm 19, I think, is a, a really good way for us to just think about this because David's given us this meditation about how we hear God's voice. He talks about creation. He talks about seeing the beauty of God there. He talks about the word and all of these things that we've said about what the, what the word is and why it's good and why we should read it but picking up in verse 12, he says, who can discern his errors? Who can know when they're in the wrong? And then he follows that up. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. So David switched into prayer. He's done this meditation on creation. He's done this meditation on his word, and now he's praying. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. His reflection on the word leads him to repentance in his life. And then we get verse 14. And if you're wanting to memorize a verse this year, if you're wanting to have something kind of to hold on to, here's one for you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that word Lord there, it's all in caps because it's Yahweh. It's the relationship. It's the covenant name of God that he gives to Israel. And so David ends this meditation on the word by asking God to let the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart be acceptable in God's sight. One way that we can do that is by filling it with the word. This is a prayer about how spending time in God's word draws us nearer to repentance and holiness. And it should be our prayer today. Because the only way that happens, the only way that we start to have words and meditations that are acceptable in God's sight is when we are drawn near to God through his word. So our, our response time today, our, our, our question before you is really easy. Or I say easy. It's simple. Maybe not easy. But are you ready to commit it's actually growing with God in his word. Are you ready to do that? Because here's the beautiful thing. You version, reading plans aside, every day is a new day. Okay? Every day, you get to choose every day. Do I draw closer to the Lord today in his word or do I not? So what if you missed yesterday? So what if you've missed the last six years? Start today. And then tomorrow, you can start again a beautiful thing. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I want you to think about what God's asking you to do, how you can respond to your relationship with his word. So let's pray.
0: Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church sermon podcast. If God has spoken to you today, or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.